Clarita here, and I've got a new sponsor, DistroKid. If you want to release your music into the world, DistroKid's the easiest way to get your music into all the major streaming platforms, unlimited uploads, and keep 100% of your royalties. And because you're a Design Freaks listener, you get 30% off. Go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash Design Freaks. DistroKid. <laughs> My cat ate it. Hey everyone, uh, welcome to episode 74 of the Design Freaks podcast. This is a show where we talk about music industry, art, and design. My name is Clarita. I am the host. I'm a graphic designer. So this is a different kind of episode. It's a very Seattle episode. I talked to my friend Brad Tilby. He's not a designer, but he is a vinyl collector, buyer, seller, and now a record shop owner. He just opened Nellis Records and uh, it's in a space where a venue used to be called Lo-Fi. So when we talk about Lo-Fi, that's what we're talking about. It was there for quite a long time. It's very missed. So Brad ran the Light in the Attic record shop here in town for seven years. And now he's in this community-centered space. Uh, Yeah, you'll hear all about it. But before I get to that quick intro, I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in, listening, subscribing and all that. If you like the show, please share with other vinyl and design freaks. Uh, you can find me at designfreakspodcast.com. You can leave a five-star iTunes review on your phone. <laughs> I am at underscore design freaks podcast on Instagram. Everything is in the old link tree. Here it is open for business. I'm standing right outside reporting from Nellis Records, back to you. Welcome to the show. Hello, Brad. Hi. How's it going? (laughs) It's going very well. (laughs) So thank you for agreeing to be on the show. This is a show about records, record covers, design, etc. And um, I wanted to have you on because you are a record person. Vinyl collector extraordinaire. Um, extraordinaire, maybe not, <laughs> but I think yes, I am a, a record collector, record buyer, record collector. Yes, definitely. And you are currently buying and selling records as a record store owner for the very first time. Congratulations to you! Thanks, thank you. Yeah, it's been it's been really great. Um, it's something I've wanted to do since. I was in college, which was in 1995. So it's been a long time. You definitely have gained experience over those years. And I want to talk a little bit about that because you're known around Seattle, where we live, (laughs) as the Light in the Attic dude, because you ran the Light in the Attic store inside of a... And I want to talk about the, the comparisons between the two stores because they're both inside um interesting spaces um will you tell i'm sure everybody watching this has um or tuning in has heard of light in the attic of course but um not many people know that they had a store in seattle so tell people about that well just to clarify i was 
working for the company for nine years, but I ran the shop for seven. Okay, um, great. So before that, I worked in the warehouse, um, which was in a suburb of Seattle called Ballard. Um, so yeah, I, I, I was running the Light in the Attic record shop for seven years, and that was is still is inside the KEXP gathering space at Seattle Center. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the comparison between the two is, you know, like you were saying, is very different. Just a whole different scene, clientele, like where, where I am now, you know, the sort of the tourist element isn't really there. Whereas mm-hmm. at KEXP, you know, KEXP is huge, as, as is Light in the Attic, I think. But yeah, just two, two totally different worlds, in, in my opinion. So for people who may not know about Light in the Attic, it's a reissue label for the most part, correct? Uh, yeah, they were they were sort of dabbling in in doing some contemporary stuff early on, but mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think um, it, it. You're right. It's 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 a reissue label. They're known for their packaging. I one of their designers that I interviewed a few episodes back just got a Grammy nomination for the Lou Reed yep. packaging. Um, so they're you know. It's an interesting company to work for, I'm sure. Um, but I want to know more about uh, working in that space. Um, did you have contact with the radio people? Like, who is your favorite DJ? Oh, can I say that? <laughs> Am I allowed to say that? There was a lot of people there that were so great and so supportive, and were and eventually and became my friends uh, and still are. Um, uh, just just fellow music nerds, people that buy records, people that uh, want to support the label, love the label, mm-hmm. want to support the shop. Um, mm-hmm. So that that sort of that was really great. I don't really want to say who my favorite DJ okay. is. <laughs> I Fair do. Ha- I I mean, there are some <laughs> that I really love, and I but you know I don't want to. I know it's Larry, but I'm going to edit that out. <laughs> I'm guessing. I'm just guessing. But. Well, I think by my by me not answering, maybe that can be the answer. Tell me about Nellis Records and where, where you came up with that name and the design. The name comes from uh, my mom. It was my mom's maiden name. And she died last year. And it wasn't an immediate thing. I definitely uh, had like the classic list of like every every sort of name I could possibly think of and referencing all my favorite bands and like Mm -hmm. trying to pick parts out of like song lyrics. And uh, then you go online and you find out that like every other record shop is named exactly what you want it to be. And there's labels that are named everything that you're thinking of. Like I I always wanted to call it beeswax record because beeswax Mm -hmm. records, because that's, one of my favorite Nirvana songs. And it just sort of makes mm-hmm. sense. I had like a logo all set. There already is a beeswax records in Germany. So. Mm-hmm. And there's an earwax too, I think. Yeah. Which is, you know, I think <laughs> if Brooklyn. you, yeah, there's like sort of like, if you think of names for record shops, you don't want to go like, ew, but maybe you do because then it's a place you want to visit because it's called that. So, so anyway, that's the, that's the genesis of, of the, of the name. The, the design is, is, um, what's known as the Nirvana font. It's a form of Bodoni, but um, it's a certain Bodoni. The Bodoni is a big family. 
Yeah, so, okay, I can't call it anything having anything to do with Nirvana, but maybe I can, you know, have the yeah. fonts Aww. and sort of have that be a another tribute. Homage. Yeah, yeah, like, you know, the, the name is a, in tribute to my mom, and then the font mm -hmm. is in tribute to, like, hands down my all-time favorite band. I love that. That's such a great um, tribute to your mom. I'm sure she would be really touched by that. And yeah. Honored. Yeah. I think, I think definitely. I mean, I know my, my family is and my sister is, and we talk about it. And your intention with this space is to be a part of that community of the Black Lodge slash Vera project. Absolutely. Right? Like, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, those, those people have been so great and so kind. And, you know, I've only been working with them since July. Mm -hmm. it's, it's just the, some of the most positive, like helpful, genuine, genuine people. And they see me and they hear me and they are open to my suggestions. And it, it really is a wonderful place to be. And I feel like so supported and I've only been there. I've only been working with them since July. You know, I mean, there are a lot of, there are a lot of organizations and, and jobs that I've had where I've been there for years. And I, I can't say any of that stuff that I just said, you know. Just creating a safe space for like kids, you know, mm -hmm. and giving, giving the youth a place to thrive, you know, mm -hmm you know, creating programs for them to like learn how to be a barista, learn to do screen printing, you know, um, mm. hollow earth radio is going into the same space, which is oh, a, awesome. a low power community, like volunteer radio station. So we're all just connected and we're all, we're all like-minded people with, with a, 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 a sort of a hard focus on the, the community and especially the youth and making sure that things are open mm -hmm. to younger people and, you know, because that, that's what forms you as a, as an adult, you know, it's sort of the, the, your experiences as a, as a kid, as a young mm -hmm. person, you know, so, you know, doing it through music and community and our, the, all the shows are all ages, you know, that's, that's great. And it's, it's a sober space as well. So, mm -hmm. you know, they're going to pick up on, on some shows where they're going to serve alcohol and, but it's a sober space. So like, yeah we sell like cans of Coke and stuff, you know, yeah, or I they love do, that not, not I, I don't sell. If you have to sell alcohol, fine. But it, if it, I love that, it's not the main focus of the right, space. That's very right. refreshing. Speaking of like younger people and opportunity, um, how does one get an independent release into your store? Um, you just have to come in. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a lot of, I think a lot of uh, shops, maybe make it a little bit more difficult but mm -hmm. um for me and this was this was something that i had seen at other shops i worked at and definitely when i was managing and curating the light in the attic record shop you know it's it's consignment you know if you're in a band if you're in a local band just bring it in and we'll talk you know it's mm -hmm. it's purely on a consignment basis so it's up to the person to mm -hmm post and check back in and all of mm -hmm. those kinds of things. So I've already had a few bands come in and I'm already doing consignment on some stuff. And it's just, uh, 
there's a percentage that I give to the artists and there's a very, very, very small percentage that I take. Uh, so yeah, books. I also sell books. Um, new and used. Um, the main focus is on the occult, you know, supernatural, spiritu- spirituality. But, you know, I, I don't want to pigeonhole the selection that's available. So there's fiction, nonfiction, art, how-to books. You know, I have like a used book on ventriloquism and old, <laughs> really old like medical dictionaries. And, you know, I guess... I guess you can throw the word, you can throw oddball in there. Because mm, mm-hmm. that stuff really appeals to me. My favorite <laughs> are books on film. Those are the only books oh, I like. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm just a little bit selective about sort of, I guess, content, not content, mm-hmm. but um, actual product because, um, well, number one, I it's a very, very small record shop. Mm-hmm. So finding yeah. space finding like literal space for the stuff zines homemade tarot cards art shows i see yeah. a lot of potential for your space yeah yeah I'm, because you're so open to include cl- inclusivity and community um i just love it it has a very diy old seattle feeling to me and cool. it just makes me happy so, that's great thank you yeah. yeah i mean the building itself um yeah i don't i have no idea um, how old the building is, but it's worn, it's worn out, you know? I mean, you think about how many events took place at that space yeah. over the years. And even, even if you, even if you think about the history of lo-fi, mm-hmm. I mean, as, as far as what I could see and what I read, especially when, uh, they had to close that place was like an institution, you know? Oh my gosh. It was, I've been in Seattle since 98. Um, but it was there when I came here and, um, I was a frequenter of it, of, of the dance nights there, the soul nights, quote unquote, soul nights in <laughs> Seattle. <laughs> I'll probably edit that out. That's mean. But, um, but I had a lot of fun there and DJed there later on with a shout out to mama casserole. People were really bummed. Oh, absolutely. Because <laughs> not only did lo-fi close, but then black lodge close and then victory mm-hmm. lounge close. So it was that whole, yeah that whole sort of corner that provided all of these opportunities for people to Yeah, I love that victory lounge patio was awesome. Ah, yes. And the old, the actual sign, Mm -hmm. the, uh, I don't know if I showed you when you were there. It's in the hallway. Yeah. Yeah. So at night it's lit up. So it's, it's just sort of like, we remember you, you know, that sort of thing where it's like, Oh, but people can look at it and say what you said, like, I've, I went there so much and it was, it was so great. And now, like, instead of it being demolished and turned into this, like, you know, 35 story pod apartment with no parking, mm-hmm. yep. it's like, oh, it's this space now and bands practice in the back of Black Lodge and they're turning Black Lodge into, into something else, more of a production space and like, mm-hmm. um, and then, you know, Lo-Fi became Black Lodge and there's a record shop and it's still a live music venue, but it's all been updated. So it's, you know, they redid all a bunch of electrical stuff. They gutted the, the stage, the old stage and built a new one and put in all new lighting. And just, I mean, when I've, <laughs> I have photos somewhere, but when I first mm-hmm. walked into that place, if I look at those photos and then see it now, Mm-hmm. 
it's the transformation is incredible and they did it all in such a short amount of time as did i i mean Mm -hmm. i had to scrub those walls you know i mean what you saw the walls (laughs) i painted sort of an off-white but they were blue and they were just like they were just like uh for the lack of a better word they were just gross (laughs) i mean i had a scrubber and the the stench coming up from that bucket as a bucket of hot water as i was scrubbing those walls just something i will always remember but that's the cool thing too. that's called history baby yeah that's the smell of history and many other things Um, (laughs) but now that i look at the shop i'm like wow i can't believe in the in the whole in the the whole space as a a, in general you know Mm -hmm. there was a a pile of trash like the size of a small house in the middle of of the space where people are now bouncing up and down and watching all of this live music. If you told me like six months ago, they were going to let people back in. I'd be like, Oh, there's no way (laughs) this place is like trashed, but, um, yeah, more power of community. Yeah. More power to like the, the folks that like worked really hard morning, noon, night. I mean, there were nights where I was there till one in the morning and it looks and smells great to me. And I had never seen, um, lo-fi during the day, but now that there's a daytime type of business there, it's like I walked in and didn't know what to expect, but it wasn't gross. And that's because of all your hard work. So, yeah. Um, well, I hope you, I hope Nellis is there for a very long time. I have Same. one more question about the building. Is it haunted? Have you had any weird stuff happen since you've been there so late at night? My first, my gut reaction is, is, uh, yes. My sort of like uh, knee jerk uh answer is yes because i'm there and you know there's an influx of customers but you know a customer leaves and then i'm Mm -hmm. listening to music and cleaning records or organizing or whatever and Mm -hmm. i'll just sort of see something and i'm like oh but it's not it's not anything where i i think whoa what was that it's just like you get a sense that someone's here Mm -hmm. and then um the hallway that you walk down to get to the the actual uh venue if those lights are off and then the doors to the venue are shut no it is dark so every time i have to go down that hallway to use the restroom i just sort of go you know and i believe in all of that stuff (laughs) yeah well i'm just like i have the the um i mean since then i've turned all the lights on and i know better but it's spooky with the lights on brad yeah, this is spooky when it's hallway. Like, yeah, it's just like you're entering into something else and you can feel it, but it's this great space. But yeah, when I'm there by myself, I just think, oh, sh- shit. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I said, I believe in all of that stuff. So when I hear creaking, but also there's people that are in Black Lodge. So it could just mm-hmm. be them making the noise. Also, there's a gym downstairs. Oh, oh, that's right. I pulled into yeah. the parking lot in the back and I saw like a half naked man just completely muscled up walking <laughs> around like with a shirt yeah. off in the winter out in the parking yeah. lot. Just cooling off his muscles. Just cooling it off. <laughs> yeah. Just steam so coming the- off. Yeah, so when you actually go into sort of the back room in the bathroom area, it's just like, do, 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 like this crazy, like, house music, like, pumping iron, sort of motivational stuff. Well, it gives life to the building. And I'm so glad, like you said, that it's not fucking condos yet. 
knock on wood, but I hope that it's yeah, um, not. I'm glad the go. building was saved and it's there as something else cool. So, um, yeah, I and think, you know, yeah. Um, Jason, who's the artistic director of Vera, and I hope I got that right. Uh, his his thing is uh, the punks won. Aw, I love that. And it's just like, yeah, because, you know, it's really difficult for young people and, and people who don't work for all of these huge corporations to, like, get shit done and, like, do cool things. And, you know, finally, here's no. this space, you know? Um, so let's talk about your favorite records. And I don't like when people ask, what's your favorite record cover? Sorry, no offense to people who ask me that because I get asked <laughs> that like every day. I'm not even kidding. I don't have one favorite of anything, but if there are stand standouts, like what if, what did you sell the most of at KEXP? Like, well, in all honesty, like the the thing that sticks out in my mind as selling the most that actually has a great cover is "Unknown Pleasures" by Joy Division. Right on. I mean, I I remember that. I remember doing. Um, you know, a top 10 for quite a while and, you know, one month and then a, a couple of months later, it was unknown pleasures, which is great. But, you know, it was a, it was a really, uh, the clientele all over the place, huge, huge nerds, huge record <laughs> nerds, uh, that like really knew their stuff. People that loved light in the attic and would come just to get light in the attic stuff then you know tourists who are in seattle so they want all of the seattle bands oh, right. you know because people always put nirvana into that bracket and that's or into that group and that they're not from seattle but uh anyway that's something Ooh, that always shots fired <laughs> well there's uh yeah it's even in a movie and i'm from like, aberdeen is that right yes yeah, definitely right. i'm absolutely from aberdeen yeah, I'm just like, it's in a movie too? Like, it's misinformation. Spreading ah. the propaganda. Aww. Yeah. So, uh, it, it so would the be, Seattle bands, though, like, or yeah, Washington Pearl bands. Jam, Sound, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, Pearl Jam, all great bands. Um, you know, some of them would dig a little deeper and get into, like, the Sonics and the Whalers and stuff like that. But, um, and then, then newer stuff, Chastity Belt, uh, Deep Sea Divers. I love like that. Chastity so, Belt. Yeah. So, and um, Lydia actually played the shop. She did a she did a performance in my shop years ago. Uh, anyway, um, so people coming and looking for that stuff, and then people who just want the new thing, the the new Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift, which you know, I yeah, yeah. Uh, me well, and Eric Whitaker used to go in there. Shout out to Eric. That's true. And yep, because he, you, your selection was excellent. And he's one of the biggest record nerds I've ever met in my life. So, And he would he would more often than not buy something, which always feels good. It always feels good when people that like, – there's, there's, there's people that are nerds, like mm-hmm. total nerds, and they have phenomenal taste in music. And they also have everything. They already have it, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so when someone that you know is like that and is that kind of collector and comes in and finds something, it's like a – it's a great feeling, but it's also that can be said for someone who has never been in the store and finds something, you know, one of the difficult parts of curating a record shop is like, you don't really know what sells. I've had, I've had people or, or, uh, you know, bosses say, well, we'll just bring in what sells. And I'm like, I would love that. That means I would just, 
<laughs> what is that? Like, that means yeah. I, I, okay, so my entire record shop is just going to be Dark Side of the Moon? Like, or the wall? <laughs> you know, like, how do you... Somebody, that would be a great art installation, is a record yeah. store with only Dark Side of the Moon. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, well, I know. And Tijuana that'll Brass. Sell. Yeah, for but for like three, always for like three dollars. And Carol you know? King Tapestry, just those three. Yep, just yep. those three. Yeah, and then of course like first Led Zeppelin and like Are You Experienced yeah. by Jim, like those, and even like we go back to Taylor Swift. It's like as soon as I would drop one of her records into the bins, like same day. But we don't judge, right? I mean, no, no, I think no. People I'm, are scared no, I, of record store people of um, absolutely yeah i was so intimidated by people who worked at record stores and i'm from austin from the 80s and 90s and used to go to sound exchange and it was and my i think my fear was justified people were very scary in there um and were heavily judging and commenting on what i was buying so i'm always like very um yeah, I like um, people like you who own stores and who are very, you you understand why people like what they like. Yeah, and that, that definitely was something that I learned as I got older, because when I was younger, I was really judgmental. And that's just me. I, 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 I grew up, I, I learned, what's that? Just like this. Oh, I'm holding my arms? Oops. No, I mean, that's <laughs> I'm crossing how my I arms. picture... It's like nobody wants to be the comic store guy from The Simpsons, you know? And so I get, yeah, like you're saying, as you get older, you're like, relax. You relax about that shit. Well, yeah, because you just understand that, like, people are different. I mean, the older you get, the more that you understand that. And, mm -hmm. and you know, I don't – why would I judge someone for what they like just mm -hmm. because I don't like it? And that's – that opinion has changed over the years. And, and, and I look at my own sort of likes and interests and music that I choose to listen to. And I'm sure some people would be like, what? But that's okay. Cause I've, I've had those experiences like you've had mm -hmm. where, uh, you know, is this the right record? Should I be buying this record? You know, it's almost like you're being gaslit before or you like, even walk in. I, I better, you know? if I'm going to buy this, I better buy two other things that are way cooler or more obscure just to like balance it out. <laughs> like I, yeah. I, that's how like mentally ill I am that I have actually, I've done it many times. I, I don't remember if I have. I mean, there's always been a conscious choice behind what I, what I buy and where I, you know, another mm -hmm. important thing is to be, uh, be mindful of where you're spending your money, you yes. know, not, not, you know, and how you're spending your money. But part of growing up in the hardcore punk rock scene is that mm -hmm. it's, it, it's community. It's all about like-minded people gathering, sharing common interests. You know, the, 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 what I was speaking about earlier about, um, ideals, morals, values, you know, mm -hmm. um, and that, you know, in punk rock that, that, that goes into the political arena. Even when I was, uh, managing the light in the attic record shop, I was always mm -hmm. thinking like, how can I make this shop a part of the community? Like mm -hmm. how can I bring people in and bring musicians in? And um, one time I did a dog adoption day at the shop, just like what? what's around me. How can I, how can I sort of be a part of it? Yeah. You know, because you already are, because you're, you're in it. 
you know, I, I set up shop and like, here I am personally, you know, being a part of the community is really important and, and providing a safe space. And um, in the Seattle music scene, and it's been a little disappointing, there is, and it goes across all of these music related focuses like record collecting, bands, you know, venue ownership. Um, uh, there is yeah. a hardcore bro culture in rock and roll Seattle. It is so icky. And I am so um, proud of you for being who you are and not being <laughs> an icky, predatory bro. It just, it feels like junior high and it also feels toxic. That's another reason why spending money at your place is um, a statement almost. And it's, it's rejecting and going to the Black Lodge instead of some other place that is unfriendly toward women. Um, yeah. Is it okay to swear? I'm not yes. sure. It's fucking disgusting. <laughs> yeah. It's in line with um, being conscious about who you support, what you support, where you spend your money. You know, people are being called out and it, it, it's. They, they need a whole trail of misery behind them before anybody starts listening. <laughs> yeah. And that's, <laughs> the, it, it's that whole power in numbers thing, but it shouldn't have to be. Well, I don't know. I, they never did it to me or whatever. Like we're all guilty of that too. But um, I just think like if you've heard and you, someone is obviously creepy, just don't buy records from them. Yeah. Or don't, don't go to their shows. <laughs> I mean, you had asked, what are some of my favorite covers? Yeah. How did the Nick Drake one come up? I think we had talked about something that... Packaging? Yeah, I was sitting on my couch and I just looked up and it was right there. I think packaging, design, yeah, what it actually is. You know, if you sort of step back for a second and take away the packaging, you take away the art and you think, okay, this is Nick Drake, first of all, who's one of the greatest musicians to have ever lived in my opinion in my opinion played a handful of shows released three records you know there's some bootlegs out there that and then there's um some other posthumous stuff where they've sort of dug a little bit into the the archive which is i think pretty much non-existent you know mm. because it's all like home recordings reel-to-reel stuff and mm. so um his sister was sick and um, she, from what I've read, she's doing better. But there was a, a point where um, the estate decided to release uh, this box set to help her with her medical costs Aww. and just to help her sort of get get well. Mm-hmm. And they really like went above and beyond. You know, there's and I, I don't want to um, say anything that's untrue, but I, I believe it was rumored for a while that he had done a BBC session or a couple of BBC sessions. And, uh, you know, it turns out he actually did, but there were no recordings Mm, because, mm -hmm. you know, it's 1968, I think that he was doing them. And that was around the time of his first record. Mm -hmm. No one knew who the hell he was. So if you're listening to the radio, you know, who's going to go over and hit record? Well, someone did or however they, I, I don't know how they, got these recordings or found them. And I, 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 I'm very disappointed in myself because I'm sure I read <clears throat> somewhere exactly how those recordings were found or discovered. Because I believe part of the BBC was they didn't save anything. They just taped over. What? I stuff. didn't know that. 
man, and I, I, I really am going to kick myself if I'm, if I'm giving you like the wrong information, but you know, there's, there's been multiple times where I've read that recordings exist and then you, there's an asterisk and you go down and it says all recordings have been lost. And you're like, what? Okay. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm, there are some Nick Drake stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. There's like a new, a really great biography that just came out this year where that, that happened once where I believe it was a, t- a television appearance and there's an asterisk next to it and you just scroll all the way down and it literally says all recordings have been lost. <laughs> like, and there's even someone that's interviewed in the book where he's like, oh yeah, a couple years ago, I just chucked it all out. It's I just, like, yeah, that's yeah. Do you know what you had, but they just don't, or they didn't care, or they didn't realize it, or they didn't realize the importance of it. Anyway, yes. So come back to the box that it's this package where, um, you know, they released uh, a ten inch that had um, two of his sessions, mm. um, and it, the ten inch looks like this. I don't know how well it's gonna show up. So it has all the information on the back and, um, you know, the, the center label is pretty, pretty sparse. It just says, uh, the design company, the year, mm-hmm. Nick Drake, John Peel session. That's really it. Very so this cool. is like, it's, it's a monumental release wow. in that it has, it has the 10 inch mm-hmm. and then it has, um, just as part of the box set, it has, um, a limited edition, a set of photographs. Oh wow! By by photographer Julian Lloyd, who was just, I, I think he was, um, uh, he, you know, he was either just starting out in photography, or uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Or, well, I I might be wrong. I, he might have been Nick Drake's friend. Um, so it comes with two photographs that he took, and then sort of a little slip with his autograph. Um, just you know, signed edition. 100 to coincide with the box set um so there's that inside of it and then it comes with uh this humongous book um that you know you open it up and it has uh the um it's stamped and you have your own number you know because it's uh, numbered to a thousand i think Mm -hmm. um i can check uh, so it has the signature of Callie, who's the manager of the state, and uh, Nick's sister, mm-hmm. Gabrielle. And then in the book, it's just all sorts of stuff. It has, you know, lyrics, wow. uh, his last, um, like, photography session, and, um, you know, more more photographs from that session. And then... Are these uh, um, just... also Julian Lloyd's photos? or No, it's... Um, Oh man, you're going to question me. No, it's a specific person. Mm. Uh, Sorry. Wow. <laughs> I, no, it's terrible that I can't remember. I can overdub I, it in. <laughs> because I'm sure that, uh, wow, I, I have no point of reference. Uh, anyway, uh, darn. Because I was actually, when I went to England over the summer, I was actually there where they shot those photographs. So then it has like, you know, photographs of like pink moon on cassette, which I've never seen. And, um, the, the only, uh, photograph known to exist of Nick Drake playing live, which is right there. Oh, wow. Because, you know, he played like, really, that's the only one. Oh, the only known one. And then there's, you know, brighter later on eight track. 
just tons and tons of ephemera and photos and flyers. Yeah, you would need an actual and, photographer at your show. Like people just didn't have a phone to take your picture. Yeah, there's no, yeah. It's, and it was too dark so for a regular person camera back then. Yeah, so like, what is that, you know? Yeah. And then, you know, it, it has like a bunch of clippings from like show flyers and cool. handbills. and ephemera. Um, yeah, just, just tons and tons of that stuff just flyers from releases and uh, yeah and it's all housed in this gigantic uh felt wow sort of, um, you just did a reverse unboxing it. yeah exactly <laughs> and then it opens up and like there's where the book goes so you cool. you know you place the book on top of those so when you take the book out you can just pull on this and it sort of comes out Ooh. and you know i saved the tissue paper that came with it and the outer box because the outer box has the actual uh number mm -hmm. of the re uh, like my number right they're all number, numbered. Uh, nice. yeah but they're all numbered right here there's one so for I like number... six thousand pounds on <laughs> discogs yeah they've sold for an insane amount and i think i think at this point it's probably so people can get a hold of that 10 inch but it's also if you're not if you're not a nerd if you're not a super collector you can just go on spotify and listen to the bbc sessions but for me it's like yeah i'll just do both i'll have this and if i don't want to unbox everything and put it on i can just listen to it digitally which obviously compromises the sound but there it is so yeah it's i have number 543 out of a thousand very cool so then they did a standalone release of just uh, one song from the BBC session. Same designer. So you can tell, or you can you can sort of see the comparisons. Like here's the 10 inch, or here's the seven inch that came from the Peel sessions. Wow. And then that's, so it's, it's, it's similar, you know, same colors. And uh, who's the, oh, the designer? His he's his name's Callie. He's the mm. he he's the head of the estate okay. of Nick Drake, Nick Drake's estate, who has his own design company. So oh, you know wow. even the backs are sort of similar. Um, and then uh, just this year uh, they released uh, Chrysalis. You know that label mm -hmm. like Blondie, yeah. Uh, released a tribute album. Um, that he designed as well, but they did they did it as a standalone release, you know, like a LP. So the same, it's the same designer. Oh wow, uh, uh, Cali. Uh, Do you know the name? I can, I can look this up. But... It's it's An Antar A N T A R. Okay. And it's on the back of all of the forty five. So they did a standalone, and then they did a special edition standalone, but it came with an unreleased uh, seven inch of Nick Drake doing a Bob Dylan song. Huh. Which I've heard him do a Bob Dylan song, but not this one. So, but before, before the album came out, they released five, seven inches, all sort of the same mm -hmm. design, but different uh, photographs for mm -hmm. the covers. So yeah, they really got gotcha. you. And just, you know, it's attention to detail. Like this is the first seven inch. So there's a little number one. Wow. And then the next one, there's a number two, and it's all the way up to number five. So these all came out, and then these came out. They were pretty close in in mm -hmm. in release dates, but there's a lot of a lot of current artists and a lot of 
older artists. <laughs> like mm-hmm. there's, you know, Aldous Harding, Fontaine's DC, mm-hmm. sort of current artists, Liz Fair, John Grant. But then there's, uh, who did I see on here? And I was like, whoa, oh, David Gray. I don't know who Remember that, that is. Remember that album? Uh-uh. Uh, anyway, Mark Lindsay's on here. And then really like new, new bands, like Let's Eat Grandma. Ben Harper's on here. Uh, really great folk musician, Skull Crusher. So just, it's a really, um, it's a really eclectic mix doing all Nick Drake covers. Is it Keith Morris who took the photos yes. in the book? That's the photographer. Thank you. Just think first singer of Black Flag, you know, <laughs> Keith Morris. Got it. Okay, great. He's the photographer. He's also the singer of Off, you know. But it's not the same uh, okay. Keith Morris. No, of course not. Yeah, it's the, it's the British Keith the Morris. British it's not guy, the yeah. passed away. Uh, but if you go to his website, they have a book of all of his Nick Drake photos. Yeah. But it's like $300. It's like something I just don't have and I can't afford. But someday, when I was in, when I was in England, I was trying to like locate how I could get a copy. Mm-hmm. For me, I thought, oh, I'll just be able to go to a bookshop and it'll just be there. You know, just sort of like... No, it's not. <laughs> and if it is, you're going to pay $300 for it. Sheesh. The box set would be something that would incorporate um, packaging and design. And, mm. and you know, the, the you know, design for me, um, like I appreciate the simplicity of, of how this was done. Mm. You know, if you just look at the front of the, the box, it's just like a little square. Yeah. And it has his, his name and the name of the box set. And then, you know, if you pick up the peel session, it's just, it's just simple, mm-hmm. you know, because it's, it's like, you know, I, I, I've associated a lot of things with cooking in this, in this conversation, but it's, it's the best food is like, just keep it simple, you know, let the flavors sort of speak for themselves. I guess that can be translated yeah. into design and there's Where, also, and it's also um, consistency. Yeah. What yes. It's very consistent and cohesive across all pieces. But another thing I was going to say is um, it's sort of on brand with the Peel Sessions too. A lot of their look and feel is pretty minimal um, and understated and classic. Yeah. And I think what what you probably uh, understand is that uh, design can can be, it can can attract you or it can turn you off. You know, how something looks, I guess, when you, especially as a record collector, you know, I'll flip through some things and if it is some weird photograph or some strange sort of art you're like what is this Mm -hmm. and last time we talked we were talking about that ian dury compilation that i have oh yeah where where i was thinking like i i know who he is i like his music but if i didn't know who he was and i i think last time we talked i showed you this cover and you were like oh that's uh, yeah yeah i was like okay this is a great cover and the back is great. Yeah. So you just look at it and you're like, okay, if I didn't know who this was or what this was, you know, I know it's like, cool. Whoa. But I, you know what is interesting? I got into his son's music before mm-hmm. I got into his music. And his son I, actually recreated new boots and panties with whoa. his son, I believe on the cover or no, maybe not. Maybe it was, I can't remember, but he did a, he went to that same shop. I think he recreated the photo. That's what I mean. Yeah. Oh, okay. The, because the on the cover, yeah. it's, it's him 
as a little boy with his. I know his he's Napa. standing next to his dad. Um, yeah. Yeah, I just remember their pants being their like the wide, pants. wide legs. But um, he put out a record called Len Parrott's Memorial Lift. I believe that's the correct title. Baxter Dury, and mm. I'm like, I love Baxter <gasps> Dury. So, so I was like, I, you know, in, in, in doing research, you know, with any musician or producer or artist, you get trapped into these like wormholes. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, Baxter Dury, his dad was a musician. And then you're <laughs> oh like, oh, you know, it's and, you know, I'm I'm you, you shouldn't be ashamed of how no, you found but out it's about so the artist. Funny you that, know, it's like, that I found out about Baxter Dury like a couple years ago. And was like Ian Dury's son from the album cover is doing music. Right. And I, and I'm the complete opposite. I was like, Baxter Dury's dad made music. And then I go, Whoa, what the hell is this? Oh yeah. And you know, yeah. So again, it's like, I, (laughs) so good. I was just listening to that record the other day. And you, I think that's part of the attraction is you hear his voice and you're like, Wow, that's really unique. And that's another reason why I'm like, I love Tiny Tim and I love, you know, Mark Bolin and mm-hmm. T-Rex because their vocals are just like, wow, that sounds like not human. My nose, don't I look 11 <laughs> in these clothes? He would poke fun at himself because he, had, he, was, he had, po- had polio when he was a kid and he had mm-hmm. growth issues. I mm-hmm. think he was little. Yeah, yeah he was... He was, and I think we talked about how I would watch some some live performances, and you would see the band, and then all of a sudden he's there. But you, it, there was one performance where you could sort of see someone was sort of helping him on stage, and mm-hmm. sort of not prop. I don't mean he wasn't propping him up, but he has a cane, and he just. But he still was like from here up. It's mm-hmm. just like this, 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 this uh, madman, like just totally, ho- totally drawing you in, and um. That goes back to the books I carry at the shop. That goes back to my interests. I'm always into like the the odd the odd person out. Like I'm just drawn to these these musicians and subjects and artists that are didn't really get their due because mm-hmm. his, his music isn't punk rock, but there's he's a punk. You know, but he what was I mean? on Stiff with all those other people. Like they, uh, they were yeah, pretty, yeah, sure, sure. They, they were pretty well known, the Blockheads, and they had all kinds like of crazy. Nick Lowe merch. was on Stiff too. Yeah, Nick Lowe, Nick Lowe on Stiff mm-hmm. too. And like I don't. Oh, but he did put out that one album that has a different title because it got banned. Ooh, that has some really great songs on it. Uh and it's just pictures of him across oh, the cover yeah, yeah, like yeah. um that's a snapshots. barney bubbles photo shoot as well that's his yeah design. it makes sense as soon as i look at the as soon as i look at that cover i'm like oh that's the same guy I can tell so yeah. jesus of cool was the album but i don't see what it was what other name it had um i would have to yeah go, we'll, I would we'll have figure to it get out my phone but but um it's something it's something clean and polished yeah it's for, so funny that that was offensive Oh, there's, I mean, band covers. That could be another, a new episode for you, band covers. What do you mean? Band. Oh, covers. not B-A-N-D. Band. But B-A-N-D. B-A-N-D. Two, two ends. Band. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm going to write that down. That is a good there's subject. Tons. You're welcome. So how can, tell people um, how they can find you, how they can support Nellis Records. Um, is it, do you have a website yet or is it all social media right now? Right now, it is all mm-hmm. social media. I have a website 
that's in the process of being cool. made. Also, another part of community is I like to keep it in the family. So the person that's building my website is a friend who does that. And all of the stuff that's been designed and um, all the merch are done by friends who own their own businesses. Um, but there is an Instagram. It's just one word, Nellis Records. And there's also a link tree at the top of the Instagram that can direct you to articles and our discogs. If you live in Seattle or if you're in the area, um, look up Nellis Records. Go tell Brad hi. and Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, I guess that's it. It was so nice to talk to you. Thank you for chatting with me today. No problem. Thank you for having yeah, me. Yeah, I'll see you soon. Yeah, All definitely. Right, bye. Bye.